0: I just feel the, the weight of the Lord in the room tonight. I've just kind of been emotional the last few days even, preparing my heart to come here. So we do pray, God, that you just bend us. Lord, we're not here just playing church. We want to behold a holy God. And when we behold a holy God, there's two options, Lord. We either harden ourselves or we change. And so I just ask God, like we like we prayed, like we worshiped, that it'd be real. That there'd be desire in our hearts, God, an opening within us to just Say, change me. Glorify your name here, God. Make yourself known here, God. Speak your word, God, and do the ministry of your spirit in this room. Reveal Jesus to your bride, God. Reveal Jesus in your bride, God. You're holy, holy, holy. You're holy, holy, holy. We just call you holy, God. You're other. You're not like us. And we just position our hearts before you. With such humility, Lord. And I ask God that you will come as God. You will come as God in this place, that Jesus, you will be comfortable and free to just be Jesus. I've never felt this like this before, but I just don't feel like I can preach standing tonight. I just couldn't get low enough in worship. I can't describe it. I just felt the Lord said it's the wrong posture to stand. So I just I hope my knees don't cramp. But you know, I think I'm just here as a learner, even before I'm a leader. And I think I just need to speak tonight as a learner before you. And I have a word that I think the Lord wants to teach us. And it's just, I haven't been able to get through this. I don't really know what's going to come out of me. But I just have this conviction in my heart that God is preparing us as a people, as a house, as a church. And he's actually building trust with us in this season. He wants to He wants to see, are, are you a people that are after my heart? Are you a people that know how to steward? and want to steward and honor my presence in whatever I come? Are you a people that have space in your heart for God to be God? And I feel like that's been my journey is like creating space and God's just been doing this work in me of creating space for God to just be God. You know, it's just kind of (sighs) like, sometimes we just need to clear the airways. We can get so constricted and tight as Christians and it's like, just need to create space for God to be God and I think God is wanting tonight that's what he wants to do in this room is just create space in your heart for God to be God <laughs> that's awesome you know just maybe just take a deep breath <sighs> just clear the airway God clear our hearts you know in this space that space capacity for God to be God's humility. It's the acquiescing of the heart. It's the letting go of control. It's the willingness to bend so you can change my paradigm, God. You know, we sing these songs. God is holy, holy, holy. He's alien. He's other. He's different. And the reality is that the journey of spiritual maturity is either like like for us to become like jesus to be, for us to be sanctified to become like the holy we have to be willing to let god change our paradigm and if you're anything like me that's one of the hardest most threatening processes that a human can go through i've, I've had two seasons in my life i feel like i just need to sit you know this is how the disciples would sit just before the rabbi We just ask you to teach us tonight, Jesus, but we're either going to try to make God into our image or we're going to yield and let God make us into his image. We're either going to try to hold on to our rights and our control or we're just going to truly become a disciple and get beneath the feet of Jesus and say, you make me like you. And we sing, holy, 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 other, unlike me, you're different, you're alien, you're God, you're holy altogether lovely, altogether beautiful. And God, if if we're going to become like Him, we have to bend and say, I'm willing for you to change my paradigm of who I think you are. That's the journey of maturity, is I'm going to yield and I'm going to allow you to change my paradigm, and and I'm going to let the walls come down, and that you can rework in me who you are. And there's been two distinct seasons in my life where God has worked. One was a five-year season where He was working to let me finally acquiesce control of the paradigm, let the walls down, and let fear wash and bend and change. And I think the last two years has been the second distinct season of this paradigm shift in my life and in my heart where God is reworking His image of who I believe Him to be. And God is just constantly, He's working, He's discipling, he's, He's pouring out grace upon those that clay that has such a tendency to get hard and rigid and he wants us soft, he wants us moldable, he wants us to bend. God wants to bend us. (laughs) So God's preparing us as a church. We can say we want his glory all we want, but if we're not willing to bend, he won't give us the glory. Because if we're not willing to bend, we'll take the glory and we'll touch it. And we'll manipulate it to fit into our box, into our paradigm. We'll exalt ourselves into a place that we're not supposed to be. And we say, why has there been Ichabod? Why has the glory not been in the church in America? Because the church hasn't been in the right posture of heart. We haven't been willing to bend. We've been playing the wrong role. We've been trying to hold on to the staff of authority when we're supposed to just submit, let him be Lord. And as we submit and let him be Lord, he exalts us up and says, you're my beloved, you're my bride. I want you face to face, but one comes before the other. Jesus is Lord before he's lover, he's Lord. He needs to know there's absolute submission and surrender. And then when that place, when that will's broken, it's like he exalts us to this place of lover (laughs) face to face. He doesn't give His glory to another, so He makes us one with Him. This is not even when I was going to preach. The Lord's been, my spirit's just been drawn to this place of uh, seeking God. I've been in labor with God, seeking God for wisdom and understanding, to try to understand this pandemic of offense that is ripping our world apart right now. And, you know, when we look culturally and we see that the world is at war. America's at war right now. It is a traumatizing time to be an American citizen. And it's a violent time. And we're learning that offended people are violent people. And some of that violence is physical violence, but most of it's emotional violence, relational violence, that have words like trauma and rejection and defamation and slander and neglect and betrayal and all these things and it's like you can't turn on the news without just being caught up in this war and it's painful. There's so much violence that's going on and I don't pretend to be a social philosopher, and I'm not an expert on what's going on in the world, and that's not really my hugest consideration. I've been given assignment to the house of God, and I've just been grieved at looking at that, the same offense and violence that we see in the culture, we also see mirrored in the church right now. And I, my spirit's just been quickened to, why does the spirit of offense seem to be so comfortable operating within the house of God? And I just want to declare war tonight that it's, that it's enough. It's enough. It's enough here. May God do a work here that it's enough. No more do we allow this foreign invader, this enemy into our camp. Amen. Amen. So I've just been in this place and it's been weighty for me. I jumped into a rabbit hole that was deeper than I thought, and the Lord just led me right to his heart. I've just been, I've wept, just been weeping on this. And so God, just do it. Just release cleansing revelation tonight, God, that will liberate us as a people from the effects of what we're experiencing in our world, God, and, 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 and liberate the church tonight. When you look scripturally, this is where I started, you see that though offense is in the church, there's been a lot of judgment and neglect and Betrayal and slander and rejection and frustration and hurt and all these things like the church has been in some ways Just as violent as the world and it's been painful and there's been all types of things You know we live in this PC world That's like learned to like don't tickle the bear of offense because offended people are violent people and you're gonna get pain If you offend people so let's just try not to offend people and that's not Jesus either Jesus is offending everyone basically (laughs) And we see in the scriptures that basically everyone has to Struggle with offense. Offense is, you know, it, it gives me some comfort that offense followed Jesus and his ministry just like I see it in the church today. That offense is crouching at the door and it wants to steal, kill, and destroy and it wants to row and create this unsafe environment in the house of God that's supposed to be a hospital for the healing and a gathering for the righteous and the hope of the world. And it's trying to invade into our camp. But it's there, it's all surrounding Jesus' ministry. And we see that, uh, you know, the, the big culprit would be the Pharisees. Pharisees have no breathing room for Jesus to be Jesus. They're the most tightly constricted group that we see in the scriptures. And basically everything Jesus does just offend them. You know what I'm talking about? Just everything. He heals on the Sabbath. He exposes hypocrisy. He, the way, who he hangs out with, his social selections. He drinks with sinners. He's at parties. Every, everything that Jesus does violates the Pharisees. It's such a constrict constricted paradigm of who God was supposed to be and who the Messiah was supposed to be and Jesus just didn't just didn't meet that and they got offended and we see the same thing like we see in the world today we see that the Pharisees were offended and the Pharisees were violent and this violence started with Judgment and criticism and slander. They start saying that he has a demon. They start using manipulation to try to keep people from following Jesus because they're offended that people are following Jesus. And they use all these non-physical forms of violence to try to shut Jesus down. And as you can see it kind of growing through the scriptures that the longer it goes and these not these verbal relational, you know, violence doesn't work. They start turning to what physical violence. And there's the shift in each gospel where it says and then at that point they started inspiring together how they could put him to death and we see that they're so offended that it says the high priest receives a prophetic word from heaven that it was expedient for one man to die for the nation and gather all the sheep of God abroad into one flock and they're so perverted by the spirit of offense they use that as justification for their own murder. This is heavy. We see that Jesus' followers in a different way. They're not quite as constricted as the Pharisees, but they struggle with Jesus. We see that many of the people that follow him when Jesus starts preaching, like John 6, eat my my flesh, drink my blood. A couple weeks ago I preached on this, they get offended and they leave him. They reject him. We know that many of the people that were shouting Hosanna and we're giving glory to God over the resurrection of Lazarus and, and welcoming Jesus with their coats and saying let the risen King come into Jerusalem. They were the same people in the mob shouting crucify six days later. We know that Jesus's own hometown family and relatives they got offended with him as they're watching the wisdom and the power proceeding forth from us as they get offended and they lead him to the brow of the hill and tried to kill him. I think sometimes we overlook like that's a painful experience for Jesus. That's a violent. We see Peter, Peter just, Peter loved Jesus so much. We have so much empathy for Peter, but Peter just couldn't get over the offense of the cross. Jesus didn't have, Jesus couldn't be Jesus on the cross. Jesus could just be Jesus, the Messiah, and Jesus the healer, and the miracle worker, and the bread of life, and all these things. And there was cost to Peter's revelation of Jesus, but when it came to the cross, it was like too much. He rebukes Jesus because he's offended that Jesus would say, I'm going to go to the cross and die. Jesus rebukes him back. Peter still couldn't get it because when Jesus went to the cross, Peter takes the sword out to try to stop it from happening because he's this is wrong, he uses violence to try to stop the will of God and then he rejects Jesus. Because he wasn't capable of loving a Jesus that was going to go to the cross. And then Judas, of course. And it's interesting that where Judas got so offended that it moved him to, to violence against Jesus was at the act of worship. And oh how worships has continued to offend the church. For 2,000 years since, it was when Mary put the year, the, the 300 denarii worth of nard at the feet of Jesus, and this extravagant, extravagant, costly, wasteful act of worship, Judas gets offended, and it says, and then he conspired to betray Jesus. Offended people are violent. There's no love that flows from people that have an offended heart. And probably the scariest story of offense in the scripture is John the Baptist to me. John the baptizer, John the forerunner, John the revivalist in modern vernacular. John who led the last move of God. And John had such humility that you read John 4, and it's like as Jesus' ministry is growing and John's is decreasing, he's like, this is the Lamb of God. He's the bridegroom. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I rejoice to hear his voice. He who came from heaven has a higher rank than me. He speaks the words of God, and he gives the spirit without measure. He's like, listen to him. He's the Lamb of God. Take the sin away, of the, send the world away. His whole life was oriented around recognizing, revealing, and, and acquiescing as Jesus' got bigger right we love John the Baptist and then what happens he still had a vision of who Jesus was supposed to be to be the Messiah and he's in prison and he gets offended and he sends disciples to Jesus that ask him this question publicly in front of everyone John wants to know are you the Messiah or is there someone else coming Friend of the bridegroom, he's the one from heaven. He speaks the words of God, gives the spirit without measure. John is like, you're the guy. But he also had this political orientation of what Jesus was going to do. He was going to liberate Israel. Now he's sitting in a jail and he's offended. And you have to hear that the sentiment that he's sending to Jesus is the same sentiment that the enemy, the devil, came and asked Jesus in the wilderness. If you're the son of God, do this. John's saying, if you're the Messiah, get to work. Liberate Israel. I'm sitting here in jail. And Jesus gives this discourse to the disciples. Tell them that the blind see, the dead are raised. And then he says, and tell him, blessed are he, is he who does not take offense with me. Wow. And this is the greatest prophet in all of scripture. He puts a fear of the Lord in me. I don't want to miss you Jesus, I don't, want to t- I don't want to tell you Jesus who you need to be. Then you flip this story with a strange account in the scriptures, it's in Mark 7, Syrophoenician woman. Are you familiar with this? This woman is, this is a racial story the jews were the the chosen of people of god but they'd become arrogant in that and didn't recognize that they were chosen for the sake of the world but they saw it as elitism the syrophoenicians were like a different race jesus is a jew relating to a syrophoenician woman the syrophoenician woman comes to jesus and she her daughter's sick she wants jesus to heal her daughter and jesus just doesn't fit into the jesus box in this story he first ignores her And then he insults her. Ignores her. Then she says, You, my daughter. And he says, It's not good for me to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to a dog. I've heard a pastor preach a message how, like, oh, that meant like a puppy. And it was an endearing term. And I'm like, I've never been called a puppy and felt good about it. No, no. Jesus just. Kind of just doesn't fit in the Jesus box in the story. He ignores, then he insults, and then this woman just doesn't seem to care. She says, I don't care. The dogs will eat the crumbs that fall at the at the table, which is her way of saying, heal my daughter. And I will only I don't I don't understand this story, but Jesus just knew. I think Jesus is. Using this woman's faith, he gives her only two people he ever gives his highest compliment great faith, and she's one of them. Because he uses this woman as a spectacle of an unoffendable heart. And all the the Pharisees and the disciples, they would have all been offended at this, but this woman wasn't. Somehow, even when Jesus doesn't, like it's the most obscure, it doesn't fit any Jesus box that we have, ignores and insults, she doesn't get offended. When the Pharisees get offended that he's healing people on the Sabbath (laughs) Wow picture of an unoffendable heart I I pray that that would be me and I pray that would be us amen so we get a in, in, in all of this we have to recognize that all Jesus is doing is just being Jesus he is God incarnate venting his God nature through the Gospels and we see this offense. There was no space for God to be God. So what what is offense? Is offense disagreement? No. Disagreement is 100% legal in the kingdom of God. I would actually go as far to say that if you do not disagree with people as a Christian at, in times in your life, there's actually something wrong. Because as Christians we are called to have strong conviction. We, we, we should have strong beliefs. We should have formulate right, if we don't have conviction as Christians living in the world that we live, we will be tossed by every wind and wave that comes our way. We are called to be a people of conviction. We're believers after all. There's something we need to believe, right? and God reveals himself, and this whole thing of throwing morality out the window because there's universal love, that's not Christianity. No, God is righteous, right? and he calls us. Though our convictions may be subjective and they grow over time, we are called to have them nonetheless. Offense is not disagreement. We are allowed to disagree. We should disagree. We should disagree with the world. We should disagree at times with one another. Disagreement. Is used by God. It's part of a powerful people relating to one another. Is offense hurt? No. Hurt happens. I don't think that God likes it, but we hurt each other's feelings. Everybody, you ever been hurt by someone that you love? Ever been hurt by your wife? Hurt by your husband? Hurt by your friend? Hurt by your siblings? Right, like life, like w- wounds happen and we're allowed to have hurt feelings and process through hurts and have conversations. Offense is not hurt. So offense is not disappointment or disagreement and it's not hurt. But what offense is, is when we use disagreement or hurt as a grounds for judgment. So if I disagree with someone or someone hurts me, which is an enemy if I use that as a grounds for judgment, to enact judgment in my heart. And what is judgment? Judgment is not an action. Judgment is something that happens in the heart. And it's actually the the grounds for the use of violence. Judgment is spiritual violence. Judgment is what justifies the use of some sort of force that's not love to try to change, manipulate, control, Our environment or another person. That's why it says in John 4 that there's no fear in love because perfect love cast out fear and fear involves judgment or some translations say punishment because judgment is violent. That's why Jesus says I didn't come to judge the world I came to save the world. That's why he says don't judge. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's why Jesus had a reputation for being merciful you know that? They, they brought the adulterous woman and threw her at the feet of Jesus in the temple, caught her in the act of adultery, exposed her, threw her at the feet of Jesus, it says, to test him so that they could, they could trap him in his words, because they knew that he was full of mercy. And they wanted to catch him in his mercy that he was violating the law. Jesus had a reputation for being merciful, but the someone of the church has had a reputation for being judgmental. and so judgment justifies the use of, of, of violence and in the church that doesn't usually look like physical violence though back in the day it did. It looks more like criticism, neglect, abandonment, rejection, betrayal, slander, but it's justified. That's what judgment does. It justifies those things. It says this is okay because of either hurt or disagreement or a violation of my paradigm. Right, and I know that every single person in this room, you've experienced the pain of one of these wounds. I know I have. I've experienced most of them <laughs> just from being a pastor. This is the shadow side of human love. God's love is shadow free. We all know that the church is not. But I think why so many people struggle with the church and are offended with the church and have this mixed relationship with the church is because like we all know it's not supposed to be that way. We all know that the church is supposed to be the righteous, the assembly of the righteous, and a hospital for the sick. But we just have a hard time with the sickness part. And we see the sickness part. That's where God wants to heal us. But I think we look at the cultural moment that we're living in and we look at the LGBTQ community. I look at them as a community that has gaping wounds from the judgment that it's received from the church. I was at a mall one time in Southern California. I felt the Lord's prompting to go pray for this woman. I went to her and just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and da-da-da, trying to kind of build rapport. And as soon as I said the word Christian, she looked at me with rage and literally in a big courtyard of an outdoor mall started just ripping me to shreds, screaming at me. And I just looked at her and took it and took it. And I just I said, look, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I, I just wanted to bless you, I, you know, and she just up and down and up and down until she stopped. And then her friend who was with her, like had to literally pull, calm her down and pull her away. And I, I stood there just feeling naked and I'll never forget that moment because I saw the, the, the pain and the anger. And not to say anything she did was right, but it's like the judgment, the, the pain of the judgment that this community has felt from the church. I'm not making a comment off if it's right or wrong. <laughs> right, The fact that we're offended and we move to judgment is a bigger problem than any problem. That's where I think the church has to have our eyes open. The fact that we're offended is a bigger problem than the problem that we're offended about. I think the Lord's biggest concern in COVID was how much offense was in the church. I'm preaching good, I'm preaching to myself, I'm a learner. If you'll let me take your hearts a, deep, a, a step deeper and you'll trust me with your hearts, I, I'm just consumed with love. But I want to ask the question why? Why has there been offense? Why has there been so much judgment? Why, why do we do this? We know we're not supposed to do this. Why do we do this? Why has this happened in the church? Judgment is employed to be a protector of our paradigm. That's why we use judgment. That's why offense kind of works. Because it actually shields us from having to change. Which means it shields us from having to let go of control matthew 6 16 jesus is speaking to his disciples this is in multiple of the gospels and he says beware of the leaven of the pharisee and the sadducee this is talking about political spirit the sadducee and the religious spirit the pharisee i'm not going to talk about the political spirit but this is That the religious spirit and the political spirit do the same thing, but their orientation is to different arenas of of, of the life. The religious spirit is leaven to try to influence your spiritual life. The political spirit is leaven to try to influence your, uh, your belief system around the social affairs and the social life of community. I want to zero in on the leaven of the Pharisee tonight and look at what this leaven does. First we have to understand this is leaven. The religious spirit doesn't come overt. It doesn't come in a way that's like in your face, it comes like leaven. Jesus teaches about leaven, he says the kingdom of God is like leaven, it's like a little couple of specks of leaven that get into a whole lump of dough, you don't see it, it doesn't happen immediately, but pretty soon the entire lump is leavened. So Jesus has already taught us at this point that leaven has a powerful influence, though it's subtle, though it's hidden, though you, it's, not a, it's not in your face, it's powerful. So when he then uses the same language of leaven in the realm of the Sadducee and the Pharisee, we have to understand that leaven has huge implications, but it's subtle. Right, so what he's talking about is the religious spirit, it doesn't come in your face, it comes subtle, it comes back door, and it tries to leaven your thinking. And the religious spirit, it's a seductive spirit. It comes in a way that actually is stroking your ego. And what it wants to do, is it wants to use partial revelation to conceal total blindness all right so each one of us have a revelation of who God is we're image bearers of the Shekinah glory of God's very nature but we are enclosed so we're a we're an aspect of God enclosed in flesh so there's a limitation to who we are we carry God but we only carry a small portion of God and this is where so much of Paul's ecclesiology his theology of the church is always the image of the body because it's the body that represents the fullness of Jesus. You see, it's the body when every piece is knit together and fully matured in love and functioning properly, the body reveals the fullness of God's glory. The bride mirrors the bridegroom. But the religious spirit comes and actually preys upon our independence, and it wants to do a couple things. One is it wants to isolate you and make you independent. Because if you're independent, you're very vulnerable because there is a, a boundary to your revelation of God. And then what happens is the religious spirit wants to seduce you and it wants to stroke your ego and it wants to make you feel really good and it wants to convince you it will labor and labor and labor and labor to try to make you truly believe that you are right. That you have it figured out. That you hold the key to knowledge and you know who God is. And what it does is as we, if we, if we allow this leaven to start influencing us, is it builds a paradigm around us of mirrors and it's full of light because we have a revelation but these mirrors make it so that all we can see is ourself these are the pharisees this is why jesus called them blind the pharisaical revelation of god was actually a very powerful revelation they were people of Torah. They were people of prayer. They were people of, of discipline. They were people of, they tied the mint and the dill and the cumin. They were, they were like, it was a powerful revelation. But they were completely, like they were fully leavened with religious leaven. You know what I'm talking about? Like they were full. There was, it was, it was suffocating how right they were. And because of that, they were actually blind. And that's why when Paul sees the Shekinah, he meets Jesus, Saul meets Jesus on the road, and Jesus comes, says, why are you persecuting me? Paul's true state is revealed, which is complete blindness. And for three days, he lives in darkness till Ananias comes, lays his hand, and scales came off of his eyes. That's what religious is trying to do, is to slowly, not all at once, like leaven, slowly cause a film of scales to come over your eyes so that you're actually blinded by partial revelation. And this is the this is the transaction because everything cost us. It wants to stroke your ego, make you feel really powerful, make you feel really anointed. And I've lived this. I've lived this for a long time. Not so much recently, but Probably part of why I'm a pastor is when this got unveiled in my life, but it wants to make you feel all these things, but the only thing it costs you is your capacity to love. It makes you trade power for love. Because if you get blinded, you're only able to really love God for how you see God to be. And you can't love people that you disagree with, and you sure as heck can't love people that hurt you. And then Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So the Jesus on the cross, looking at the pharisaical hypocrites that killed him, what's he say? Forgive them. All right so to the degree that we have been leavened with religious leaven, is the degree that our love is being quenched. We forfeit our ability to love those that are different than us. Love those that threaten what we believe to be right. This is why I think we have the cultural moment we have between the church and the LGBTQ community. Because the church has had zero capacity to love. Felt threatened, out of that threatened came judgment. We've wanted people to change because they're wrong but they haven't looked at us and seen a people just possessed with love. It's like, do you love Democrats? Do you love millennials? Do you love baby boomers? Do you love vaccinated? Do you love unvaccinated? Do you see how silly all these things are? Do you love, do you love? Like, do you look at people and just, just break with love? Like, are you filled with compassion? Are you so hung up on if it's right or not? If we can't love each other, how will we ever love the world? And if we can't love each other, we're kidding ourselves and we think that there's space for Jesus to be Jesus. Because if Jesus comes to Jesus, everything Jesus is, is love. And this is why Jesus comes as the embodiment of love and he just offends and offends and offends because Jesus wants to offend everything that can be offended until we just embody love. Beneath all of this, it's just fear. In perfect love, cast out fear. And I've just been seeing this picture. It's like if God's heart is this massive ocean of liquid love, it's like we construct these submarines. And God just wants us to open up and let us be consumed by love. Like let go of the control quit trying. I like, put the fist down and just let God be God. We don't need to manipulate him. We don't need to manipulate people. This is why Jesus never tried to, he wasn't trying to change people. He's just possessed with love for people. <laughs> you know, and know, the remedy for all of this, it's not judgment. There is no judgment here tonight. I'm not giving you bad news. Right? The, the, the fear in us, it's like, oh, if I'm wrong and there's some sort of punishment, and there's cost. No, it's just love. Like, it's just like, God's like, just let me crush you with love. Like, like, open up, open up, let the mirrors down and just let me crush you with love. Like, you know, Jesus was just longing to just crush the Pharisees with love. He just wanted to disciple the disciples with love. Like, everything that God came to do, everything Jesus came, it's just, I just want to love you. Like, I just want to love you. I just want to consume you with so much love that you never have to use judgment another day in your life. That it's gone, it's eradicated, it's clean. It's like, I just love. Does he want to get rid of your convictions? Nope. No, 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 not at all. You need your convictions. You need to wear the revelation of God that you've been given with all the boldness and the passion and the conviction and the faith that you possibly can muster. You are a dream of God wrapped in skin that must be revealed. You should be brimming with conviction. It's that let it be animated with love. When you get this, when you get the love, you'll never be threatened another day in your life. When the face of God changes, and all the fears removed, that misappropriate who He is, and you just see love, nothing but love will ever come out of you again. When you search His face, which we will search for endless ages, Revelation, upon revelation, upon revelation, upon revelation, upon revelation, upon revelation, like an an endless diamond, like endless glory. Revelation upon revelation upon revelation. We will never find any fear. We will only find love. And when we look upon each other, we see revelation upon revelation, 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 upon revelation upon revelation of God. And so we will know that we've beheld him when we're one. When there's no, no more fear, no more judgment, when the shadow-free love of God has dominion in the church, <laughs> we'll be His glory. The glory of God is man fully alive. We're the temple we're so loved. All we have to do is bend. And the transaction with God is you give up control and you receive the fullness of the kingdom. There's no Catch 22, you give up control and you become love. You give up control and his power flows through your weakness. You give up control and you create space, you acquiesce and you just, you just behold Jesus and say, I just, it's you. Be you, have your way. You let him just make you soft clay. You, you just allow yourself, you, you humble yourself and recognize I'm, I'm just clay. And you can mold me still and bend me still and you can change any paradigm and you can do anything you want. Like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that's resistant between me and you. And there's nothing but love between me and the world around me. It sounds like heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. My leg's asleep. <laughs> there's no judgment in this place. But I do think that there's a space of healing for some of you tonight. And uh, I'm just going to open the altars and invite anybody who wants to come forward and I just, just speak the words that repent for the kingdom of God is now. Repent and just allow God to bend you with love tonight. You know, and if if God's just stirring you, if he's doing something in you, if he's convicting you, and there's leaven. Just let him clean the leaven tonight, and yeah. Just invite you if you want to, if you want to, if you want to come forward and kneel, to just acquiesce before God, to repent of offense, to repent of judgment, to repent of any way that you've allowed leaven to just creep. It knocks at the door, any any place. Just, just repent, and let's let love. Just, I just, I saw it tonight. I saw that there's healing tears for people. Some of you, you feel emotion that's welling up inside of you. You don't know quite what it is, and I just, just respond and let healing tears come. And there's just healing. There's healing here tonight. It's there's just it's just love. There's no punishment. There's no, <laughs> it's not, you're not in trouble. You're just loved. You're just loved. So I just thank you for love, God, that's here. I thank you that you love, God. It bends us, God, that there's a bending that can only take place when we know we're loved. God, I just thank you that you're cleaning house, God. You're You're removing the leaven of the Pharisee this room God that you're just healing you're healing and God and that you're even stirring up offense. God I thank you God and I just would speak that if the spirit of offense if you're residing in this room if you have influence in any heart that you would manifest now and I just call you out in this room and I just say you have no place here and I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart that's even struggling with offense right now in this moment. that feels offended for some reason. And i just speak to you and say, there's freedom tonight. God, make us like the Syrophoenician woman. God, just enlarge, enlarge, enlarge. God, just create space in this church, God, for you to be you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that miracles are happening here. Thank you, Jesus, that you're freeing captives here. Thank you, Jesus, for radical love, just a a radical love that just consumes us, God, that just consumes every place of fear. I just thank you, God, that perfect love, God, an ocean of love, God, a, an, an immeasurable weight of love, that it would just push out fear tonight, God, and that we'd realize we never have reason to be afraid again. Love, God, love. It's love, it's love, it's love. It's, love. it's crazy love. It's just crazy love. It's healing love. It's healing love. It's liberating love, it's delivering love. It's it's salvation love. It's love that removes scales. Some of you are having scales that are falling off your eyes tonight. They're falling off your eyes. And some of you, it's really, really hard to even confess to yourself that you have scales and that you see those residue. It's really hard. You're like, not me, not me. I just hear God saying, You are loved. You are loved. You have nothing to hide. (laughs) You have nothing to be ashamed of. You're just loved. Are searching your heart right now and your heart's clean. Like, praise God. I just want you to be an intercessor for a few minutes. And I just want you to pray and just say, God, just cleanse this house. Cleanse this house of all leaven, of all the leaven, of all the leaven that's not the leaven of the kingdom. Like, let God use you as a minister. If your heart's clean, just release him. Let him use your prayers. Yeah God just cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. I just thank you, God, that there is no judgment here. (laughs) There's there's no judgment. (laughs) There's it's just radical love. There's no judgment. There's no fist coming, there's no stone being thrown, there's no there's no forcing change, there's no it's just it's just free, it's just love. Just love. Love. Love crazy love. Crazy love, God, just possess us with crazy love. Crazy love for you, crazy love for each other. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fight now. We don't have to clench our fists. We don't have to protect anything. We are loved by the King of Heaven. We are protected by God Almighty. We are safe and secure in the Father's arms. If you're on a prayer team and people have come forward and if God's not doing a work in you, I just want you to just just let God use you and just just pray. You know, it's like, just pray for people. Just come and lay hands on people that are coming forward. We just thank you, God. We just thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for what you're doing. Even if you're just out there and you're, you're interceding right now, I just want you just start thanking God. Thank you, God, you're healing this house. Thank you, God, that you're healing us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We just start, we just pray for your church, God, in this valley. We just say, do it in this valley, God, heal us. Heal us, God, purify us. We just sweep out the leaven. God, we just sweep it out. We just say, no more, God, of this, this, this violence, God, between churches, this violence between Christians this violence between different denominations, different moves of the spirit. God, just say no more God, just love just love love God, love where there's disagreement love even when there's hurt oh my gosh yes God that we'd just be liberated to love that we would fall in love with one another all over again Lord, that we would be so in love, so in love with each other. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just help us fall so in love with each other. Oh, Jesus. in love God. so in love that we don't care what it looks like that we don't care how how egregious it violates our paradigm God. it's just love. just love God that when people wrong us, we, we, it's just love. when people when people we disagree with them so much God when our when we're just it so violates what we know to be true that we just crazy love, just love God. Just together as a church, God, we just, we ask that you bend us. Just bend us, God. Bend us with love. God, like the lyric of that song, if if love is a hurricane and I'm a tree, just bending beneath the weight of your glory, Just, just ask the Father, just say, prepare me for your glory, God. Prepare me to just be so flexible before you. So moldable, so shapeable. If you, if you if you if you need to go home you know you're, you don't you don't have to stay that's totally okay I won't be offended I promise <laughs> and if you want to get your kids that that' probably help the children's workers not be offended too <laughs> going to stay and just let God do what he wants to do in our hearts. Prepare the vessels, God. Prepare us, God. Prepare us, God. We want to give you so much space.